Welcome to episode 201 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the New South Wales and Queensland State of Origin teams, State of Origin 1 in Townsville, our mid-season NRL review, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 201 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, pinch and a punch for the first day of the month. It is the 1st of June. We are recording this. It is origin time. Are you pumped? I am pumped and I'm already angry uh, <laughs> with, with State of Origin. Um, it's just... Uh, you know, uh, just when he thought that, uh, that just when he thought that Queensland get all the advantages, not only do they get to pick their side after New South Wales picked their side, not only do they get to uh, pick anybody they like for Queensland, but now they get to pick where the game is being played, no matter what. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's funny how we always get cl- classified as the, uh, you know, the big New South Wales, you know, team, the big. New South Wales State dominating this poor little old Queensland when they won eight in a row. But uh, I think we're forgetting that we're on the losing side of history here. Yes. As New South Welshmen, we are the underdogs. That's right. We are the Jack and they are the Beanstalk. Like, like, (laughs) you know, it's what's going on, you know? Uh, We are the Peter and they are the Volandis. I mean, this is... (laughs) That's right. This is exactly... We are the Daly and they are the Cherry Evans. That's... (laughs) It's as simple as that. Look... Yeah, I gotta agree. I think uh, I'm 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 sick of this. Uh, it's the fake news. That's what it is. It's a Queensland mm. fake news. They are they are trading on this fake underdog status when in fact we know the reality. We know that when it comes to Origin, it is all about Queensland. It is all about them painting us New South Welshmen as villains, as the big bad, the rich city slickers with uh, the, the big superstars. But you know what? It's been like at least three decades since that's been a reality. <laughs> like ever since, you know, ever since Wally Lewis and the star-studded Queensland side that would wipe the floor with us in the late 80s, it's been pretty neck and neck until yeah. until really last decade we've seen the dominance of the Queensland side. And I think it's fair to say we are, like I said earlier, we're on the losing side of this battle uh, in history, historical terms. And I think we need to we need to right the wrongs of the past. So really, let's just change the narrative from Queensland being the underdogs to New South Wales being the cattle dogs. Yeah, I think that's what we need to do this year. Let's let's call ourselves let's let's take the cattle dog on behalf of Tommy Radonikas. You know, and this is look the first origin since Tommy Radonikas passed away. This is it. This is where we need to bring that mongrel and that uh, underdog status that he sort of played on when he was a uh, coach and player. We need to bring it. So I'm looking mm. forward to it because it's going to be an awesome, awesome series. Uh, you know, hopefully not – well, I was going to say not COVID-affected, but you know what? It already is COVID-affected, and we are going to talk about that. So shall we launch into the tackles? Yeah, let's get into it. 
All right, so here we go. Tackle number one, it's the news update. All right, so the big news coming out of State of Origin Circles. Tish is, again, as you were alluding to earlier, New South Wales, yet again, been uh, given the bum steer from the Queenslanders who have played on this underdog status. And now they've got us, they've got one up on us. So what have they done to us this time? Well, look, Dr. T, they've announced uh, that the, yeah, Monday afternoon that the Queensland Country Bank Stadium in, in Townsville, which opened up last year and is the home of the North Queensland Cowboys, uh, will be the venue for, for Origin 1. Um, so originally this was supposed to be in Victoria at the MCG, but because of Victoria's COVID-19 outbreak, uh, it just meant it wasn't feasible to play at the MCG, but the iconic uh, stadium will now host it in 2024 and 2026. Um, so with the advice from the biosecurity NRL experts, the tropical Townsville carry the least re- uh, risk in, ter- in regards to the pandemic. Well, that's what they say. Uh, I say, <laughs> what I did here is that the New South Wales government pledged fifteen million dollars to have the game at uh, Marathon Stadium. Stadium, um, you know, obviously, which is uh, the Newcastle Stadium where the Newcastle Knights play. Um, and I think the bid from Queensland was only eight million. So they've actually gone with the lesser uh, <laughs> money here. So. Is it is it biased security or is it biased security, Dr. T? Well, well done. Good pun there. And I tell you what, let's not forget that I believe, you know, we, we talk about, look, those of you who don't know, you know, in the years gone by, we would have two games hosted by New South Wales. And then in alternate years, you'd have two games hosted by Queensland. Now what we've started to do is we've started to have uh, this issue of a a third venue, a neutral venue, usually, uh, I think, when was this announced? This would have been announced maybe last year or the year before, that for the next several seasons, we've got neutral venues lined up for game one, I believe. And uh, I think, I, I, is that correct? We have to just double check what that is. But um, I believe this year was meant to be, uh, the, the first game was meant to be uh it was a New South Wales hosted game. And so New South Wales decided to send it to Melbourne as a, as a way to kind of spread the game and, and, you know, get obviously MCG, fill the fill it there in normal circumstances. Um, and game two would be in Queensland and the decider would be in New South Wales. I believe that's what the case was going to be this year. And somehow they've decided to turn this into a uh, Townsville game one, which essentially means that for the first two games, you get Queensland games. Now, how did we get a New South Wales uh, advantage of 2-1? We not only gave up the first game to Melbourne, which, as we know, is a quasi-Queensland, you know, anyway, in terms of uh, rugby league anyway, um, and then not only that, when that d- fell through because of COVID, fair enough, um, we now allow it to go to actual Queensland, <laughs> um, yeah. which I, you know, let's just 
scrap it. Why not just do it at Suncorp Stadium? You know they want to do that. <laughs> let's just give them. Let's just get all three games in Suncorp Stadium. I think that's the next step, isn't it? I mean, what yeah. are we doing as New South Welshmen? What is the New South Wales administrators doing, giving up so many advantages? In, in a in a sport in a in a rivalry in a competition where any advantage that we give up is uh, certain to bite us uh, back on the face or on the bum. <laughs> so yeah. what 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 do you say about that, Teach? Have we given up the advantage too much of the advantage, and what can we do about it? Yeah, look, uh, you know, I think I mean like there is a theme here. I've got to say, you know, okay, so this game gets moved up to Queensland, okay. Uh, yeah, a few weeks ago, Magic Round, let's do it in Suncorp again. You know what I mean? And then, uh, like, so that's also a theme. Hey, uh, we're going to have a new club. It's going to be in Queensland. Okay, second Brisbane team, right? <laughs> so so all these uh, new sort of additions, new sort of things, uh, all tied into Queensland, uh, which is kind of a bit bizarre now that you sort of string the pieces together and... Um, you know what, like, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people might disagree, but I say we need to have another team in Sydney. Uh, you know, if they get another team in Queensland, we need to put in another team in Sydney, I say, right? Because it's just, we're just giving up too much, you know? Like, it just, uh, you know, it sort of uh, brings this thing out of it. Ever since the 10-metre rule has come into play, um, Queensland have uh, completely dominated the series. So uh, as far as rule changes go, you know, like, I feel like, the rules do actually favour more the Queensland um, style of football uh, than the New South Wales style of football. So I just think at the end of the day, you want to have a, I think you want to have a perceived fairness. And I feel like there, it is quite unfair. So, um, you know, look, Darwin is also a very uh, tropical climate. Um, it is neutral. There's very little cases um, that's ever been in Darwin. Um, I don't think too many players will have an issue going up there, even flying in and flying out. Um, you know, that actually makes it a lot more fairer. I think that's the way the Adelaide game was done last year as well. Um, so I don't see why that would be an issue. Like, uh, you know, um, you know, they can make it like the, uh, you know, it, well, yeah, so, so, so I just think that, yeah, <laughs> Taking it to Townsville, you got to remember that's more Queensland. Than, I mean, it, it's very, it's deep in the heart of Queensland. I mean, it is like uh, what from like you know the distance between um, Sydney to Townsville is kind of like the equivalent to what uh, you know uh, I don't know like uh, France to uh, Egypt or something like that. You know, it's kind of it's a huge, it's a huge like way out. You know what I mean? So, so what do you? I mean, even about? Queenslanders are like. That's too far. That's too too much of Queensland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, look, what are they going to do next? You know, maybe New South Wales will only get to play with 12 players while uh, Queensland get a full 13. Maybe they'll start with six points advantage. <laughs> um, you know, any advantage that Queensland get, they get it. So, look, uh, yeah, a bit disappointing, but... You know what, Doctor C, I, I might, I might, I might boycott the first game in protest. Uh, you know, if they want ratings... I don't think they're going to get my ratings, Dr. T. Wow. Why not? Because I won't be watching. <laughs> well, you is know... That, is this... that how it works? You know, you turn yeah. off your TV and it's fine. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't know. A boycott, it's it's a big it's a big deal. I mean, are you you're, are you really that committed to boycotting this? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not, but anyway. 
So in that case, I'll see you for the next uh, <laughs> for the review <laughs> podcast next week. Yeah. But look, we'll yeah, look, we'll um, look in typical form. I think uh, my uh, I've got to say, Tish, just to be upfront, my my work has decided to uh, to do a uh, an, an a work function on that evening. Wow! And uh, look, it, this it's typical, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. what can we do? Um, we we need to we need to. We need to watch this game at some point. So, look, you know, let's take advantage of uh, of, of mobile phones and uh, and streaming services. Let's do it. Let's, mm. uh, you know, I've got to, I've just got to find a way to, you know, do it discreetly so I can just sort of nod while we do uh, work stuff and then, uh, you know, uh, while I'm while I'm screaming. Cherry Evans, get him! You know, then I, I just got to find a way to make sense. It's got to make sense. So you know, but look, that's typical. Um, again, Queensland, thanks for gazumping us yet again. Uh, very, very shameful behaviour. But look, let's uh, let's move on to another news item, which is doing the rounds in the world of rugby league, and this is a big one. It's a bit of a uh, a revolt happening. Wow. Yeah. So so Tish, uh, do you want to take me through this one as well? Okay, yeah, look, I've labelled this DCE and the NRL players versus PVL and the NRL legends. So Daily Cherry Evans, uh, you know, of Manly of Fame, is also very heavily involved with the RLPA. But, uh, you know, nine newspapers, newspapers broke the news on Sunday that a number of senior NRL players are fuming about continued tinkering with the rules and want to be given greater voice in terms of any further charges changes. Um, Manly Captain Daly Cherry Evans has been identified as one of the loudest voices, while the RLPA boss Clint Newton has also been grilled on uh, the Triple M uh, you know, radio channel on Sunday. Um, they both confirmed that players have some anger and confusion around the recent high shot crackdown and the raft of changes introduced in the last 18 months. Um, however, uh, like when it comes to NRL legends, um, you know, Fox League commentator Andrew John, uh, sorry Matthew Johns, has come out swinging in defence of PVL, labelling him as the game's best administrator since John Fa- John Quayle, and he said that look, I picked up the phone to PVL and and on Sunday, and just to reassure him, he was he still got a huge support uh, from me from you know his style of leadership. So yeah, so so that's what's been happening now. Apparently, I believe the RLPA are looking into the constitution of the ARL commission to see if there's any grounds for players to uh, to essentially uh, kick out PVL, um, which is uh, which is crazy, right? So um, and uh, yeah, so so apart from DCA, there's been no other players that have been named as a part of this. Uh, Dr. T, what do you make of all this? This is uh, this is kind of a you know you can't really have the NRL without the players, but at the same time. Um, you know, PVL needs. I mean, the NRL needs to protect its players, and um, I think the high shot crackdown has has sort of has lifted a, a you know lit a fire that or uncovered a fire that a lot of people uh, were angry about. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, ha- lit, it's lit the fuse. It's caused the a fuse, spark. Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. Let's um, ignited the flames. Or as Benny Elias would say, it's uh, all fires, all, all blazes firing. <laughs> Instead all of all guns blazing. Look, um, I there's something. Look, there's a couple of things happening here. I'll just I'll give my very quick overview. It's it's a continuing trend of players, uh, you know, taking on 
uh, I, I guess, an increasing trend, not just continuing. It's an increasing trend of players taking on more and more, having more and more power in decision making. Now, you you kind of think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, we've seen in other professional sports where that can go wrong, <laughs> um, where where you know it's like soccer is an example where basically you know it's all about the players and uh, and you know you see so many examples of kind of champion teams going uh, going downhill as soon as there's a, a disturbing or distracting influence of a star player that comes in and all of a sudden players start it's not about the team it's about the player and it's about the egos and all that kind of stuff so there is that element happening now this has been continuing this trend for a while you know ever since we had the the uh the the lottery during the super league war of players getting paid way over what they were valued at the time and way over what the 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 game could actually afford and so we've had that and then we've also seen examples you would have seen this in your tigers team as well tish where we've had you know players revolt uh from the inside you know the benji the robbie farrers and all sorts of things that have been happening that have pushed coaches out that have pushed other players out that have caused dissent among you know the dressing room and in the dressing room all that kind of thing so this has been happening for a while and this is just another example of um of where the players and i i think players definitely need to have a voice in decision making i think there's no issue there but what really gets me on this occasion which makes me think that maybe the players are potentially a, a bit kind of ill-informed is that a lot of the crackdown is supposed to help them <laughs> this is meant to be to protect their own health in the long run um, now the issue comes about I think because of the rule changes and I think the nuance here is that it's not as simple as saying well the NRL decided and you know obviously PVL making a lot of these unilateral decisions have decided to kind of crack down on head high tackles therefore it's a good thing well the crackdown is not in isolation it's not in a vacuum it's at the same time that we are also having that debate around the rules and the fact that the rules changes have made the game so quick and it caused so many collisions and injuries and quite frankly we should have trialed things before making wholesale changes and it just goes to show and i think on this the players are right that there needs to be some real thought around um the consequences of some of these rule changes um so look it's not a one side is good and the other side is bad i think both have both sides have very interesting viewpoints here and the players have a right to be a bit upset as as to the way things were introduced. And equally, um, the players need to also think very carefully about what, what hill they're going to die on here because, you know, if you're going to fight these battles on things that are about their own well-being, you need to be very careful how you do it. So um, online, definitely I've seen a lot of confusion and um you know from from people online saying you know what are the players whinging about this is all about their their well-being so i'm not sure that the players necessarily have the support of the public on this but then again they're up against um, you know i think peter Anderson and his kind of approach has 
taken on a bit of a Trump-esque kind of uh, perception out there in the public and people are just sick of, uh, of, of his style as well. So... Yeah, look, I think it. I don't know if I've got a clear answer there for you, Tish, but I think it's um, there's there's quite a lot going on, quite a lot of nuance, and I think the best thing to do is they need to just get together and broker some sort of a deal, and really discuss what are the consequences of all these changes that have happened so rapidly in the game. Uh, that's my view on that. Uh, what about you, Tish? What are you? What are your thoughts about solution here? Yeah, well, look, um, yeah, look, it's a very interesting uh, conversation debate, and I'm and I'm sure we'll probably. I don't think this is the last we heard of this. I think there'll be continued angst unless there is um, some sort of, uh, I suppose, resolution here. Uh, what I will say, I, I do think there is two separate issues here. I think, firstly, on the rapid rule changes introduced in the uh, in the last eighteen months, should players be consulted uh, more? They probably do. They probably need to have a greater voice, um, but they also have to be prepared to. Uh, to also lose, they're not going to get everything they want when it comes to rule changes, right? Because um, they're players, right? Um, uh, you know, when you're sitting down with a group of friends and playing Monopoly, right? Uh, you know, the first round, you can't buy any property. It's clear in the rules, right? <laughs> the players don't get to make up the rules. You know, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, this is the sport, you know, you don't have uh, soccer players saying, you know, hey, you know, let's run with the ball now. You know, it doesn't really work like that. You know what I mean? Um, same sort of thing. It's not like, uh, you know, us citizens get to write the laws. No, we elect people to uh, govern the laws and make, you know, amendments when needed. Uh, now, we do have a system of being able to contest what they're saying or have a voice in terms of what they're saying, which is, I think, what the NRL players should have, but I don't necessarily think that they should necessarily be in that final decision-making process of the game. Um, so so, so I, I, I do stand a bit with the players on that because I think they probably, I think their voice needs to be a bit stronger than what it was in terms of all these rule changes. Uh, when it comes to the head high crackdown, um, look, I, you know, we talk about the word fake news, but I'm just going to say fal- false information about the players not being aware. I mean, it is clear you could go back and look at archives, of all the major newspapers, as well as the NRL website, you know, they have been talking about the fact that there is a huge increase in the number of head-high shots, right? We're not talking about players getting concussed, making tackles around the legs, which everybody seems to be talking about. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, it's not necessarily... You don't get concussions just through head-highs. You also get concussions through other tackles, which is true. But the reality is there is an increase in the number of head-high shots that have been do- uh, been doing. Um, this season, the first rounds before the Magic round, they they almost reached the record of how many head-high shots they, ha- they got last year in the entire season, which I know was only 20 rounds. But put it halfway through, you've also... Yeah, so there was, um, there was absolutely no um, course of action during the off-season for the players to adhere to what the NRL was trying to introduce. And the NRL was very lenient by not giving away 10-minute sin bins and sent offs until it happened. So I think this information about how we never knew, I don't think that is accurate at all because us, the fans, knew. And if, uh, you know, if they were expecting an email or, like, you know, a uh, personal one-on-one chat with PVL about the new rule changes, uh, you know, if they received it or didn't receive it, I mean, they, sh- you know, there was enough 
if I, if people if the common person knows about it, then that's fine. And um, you know, I even saw the uh, you know one of the board members of the NFL Plays Association, um, uh, Christopher Nowinski. Uh, I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, but he has actually uh, gone onto Twitter and actually um, posted uh, that you know it's unbelievable that a league head leads a reform on pro, uh, so pros can enjoy the remainder of their lives with their families and the players revolt. Um, you know, I'd like to intro some of these stars to the wives and children of men who had CTE, you know, and then he goes, look, I take the issue, the idea that they all, they are all aware of the risks they are taking. Scientists don't even know the risks. Hashtag NRL players are taking, but it seems, but it seems to be too easy to find C, uh, NRL players are taking, but it, but it's been too easy to find CTE in former players thus far. Uh, with players now getting bigger, stronger, and faster in the modern game, um, maybe worse. So I think what he was trying to say is that, look, um, on the limited research they've had, they're finding up cases popping, popping up left, right, and center. So probably it's actually far worse than what we actually know right now. So the mm-hmm. fact that NRL players saying is that they know which risks they're taking. Well, if the scientists don't know the risks, how can they know the risks? Um, you know, uh, I can't remember the last NRL player that has a medical degree that can actually tell us exactly what the risks are, right? So, yeah, pro- probably spent a bit much, too much time on that there, Dr. T, but I, but I think it's important to get some facts facts out there, right? Absolutely. Um, speaking of facts, let's move on to <laughs> the next news item where one of our illustrious coaches uh, gets stuck into a very interesting fact. Yes. What's, what's the news? Well, Manly coach Des Hasler has admitted that he was a very un- unimpressed with the officiating during the Sea Eagles' 8-10 uh, loss to Newcastle uh, yesterday, so or, or on Sunday. So despite racing out to a two-try lead, the Sea Eagles were scoreless in the second half while the Knights claimed back. So um, Manly's first penalty didn't come until the final few seconds of the match. So I think it was the 79th minute and like 30 seconds they got their first penalty of the game and they lost the penalty count nine to one. So he was absolutely fuming. Um, so yeah, so we've got the Manly Seagulls complaining about lopsided referee ring. <laughs> 2021, the, it has hell frozen over here. Tish, it's outrageous that they even got one penalty. <laughs> Let's not forget, people, it's Manly we're talking about. Do they even deserve one? Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, it's uh look. If Jeff Tuvey was there, there'd be an investigation. It would be half finished by now, and uh, they wouldn't like what they they hear. They wouldn't like the report, which is uh, no one likes him, Manly. Um, yeah. No, no, look. Um, quite rightly, I mean, you know, Manly fans. We look as an Eels fan. Uh, we've been on the wrong side of refereeing penalty counts many a time, especially with uh, Tony Archer. And uh, you know, and other other refs like that. But look, I totally understand, and I, I can't explain it. It's not like as if I've seen a a concerted effort to not give manly penalties this year. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the their style. Maybe they're just playing a little bit aggro, and that's um that's not really getting them their penalties. It's they're giving them away. I don't know yeah. what it is. Is it their gameplay? Maybe it's the way they do things. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, the way players, after they make a tackle and the way they get up, uh, I feel like 
man, you're getting up and it looks like you're trying to hold down the play when you're probably not. Just got a, like a weird style of trying to get up or they sort of hang around the ruck. So the referee's kind of giving a, a six, uh, you know, a six again penalty type of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the other point is, is Newcastle that, uh, you know, adherent to the rules with players like David Clemmer in their team? <laughs> um, that they were able to avoid penalties up until the last minute. Like, I, I feel like there's, uh, I feel like there's two questions in that, in in the whole, you know, how, how did Newcastle, Newcastle not concede a penalty while, uh, while the, uh, you know, uh, the, the the Seagulls did. So, look, um, maybe this is a consequence of not having another referee out there to try and pull up a lot more penalties. You know, maybe that's that's where that is. Uh, but it, but it just yeah, some, something went awry probably in the officiating a little bit. Um, mm. I haven't seen all the incidences. They probably all deserve penalties, but there's, there's probably three or four penalties that Manly should have got that they didn't. Um, but look, they're still in the top eight. So 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 uh, yeah, I don't know if he's got too much to complain about. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to tackle number two, our last round review. Here we go. All right, round 12, quick wrap, and we'll quickly just go through the scores, and then, Tish, I'll just throw to you to give me a bit of a highlight. So, look, um, Storm, 40 over the Broncos, 12, doing it very easily. The Cowboys, 29-28 over the New Zealand Warriors in the tight one. Tigers, back on the winning uh, the winning circle there, 34-18 over the Dragons. The Panthers, 30-4, doing it easily against the Bulldogs. Um, the Rabbitohs, 38-20 against my beloved Eels. Uh, the Roosters, 44-16, again, doing very, very easily against the Raiders. And uh, the Sharks, another another not so close one, thirty eight to ten over the Titans, and finally the Knights, eighteen to ten. I would say an upset over Manly Warringah Seagulls. Teach, what was your highlight of the round? I'm guessing it's going to be the Tigers. Uh, yeah, look, I think the Tigers were, uh, you know, a very, uh, you know, did very very well there. Uh, but I did actually catch the game just before it. I'd say that's the match of the round, the 29-28 finish. Um, there was an absolutely uh, unbelievable uh, field goal kicked by um, uh, Valentine, Holmes. Valentine Holmes. And yeah. I think somebody made the comment, maybe he should have been a punter in the NFL uh, because <laughs> it, it was absolutely beautiful. And, uh, you know, it's such a beautiful stadium out there in Townsville. I've got to say, what a great atmosphere. Uh, a real big, big venue type thing. So, um be interesting to see if they would ever get any more headline games up there. But um, but that being said, yeah, I, I'd say that that would be the, the highlight. And I also got to say the highlight for me is also just seeing all the NRL were doing around Indigenous around. They really did try to focus on not only just Indigenous players, but former players as well. Um, I think each of the teams, um, you know, the, the, the different broadcasters uh, didn't just have the team names, but also the... the um, you know the Aboriginal country, and also uh, so they, the Indigenous country name for the areas that they represented, mm. um, and uh, yeah, and I think that, that I think uh, even Channel Nine not only did NRL players and stuff, but they even did a uh, I think it was a you know a and a journalist from Channel Nine who's also got uh, an Indigenous heritage. So I think well done to the NRL, like they um, they weren't able to do anything last year due to COVID, but I think they. They really tried to step up and make an effort this year. So, um, 
yeah, that that's a positive. So what about yourself there, Dr. Z? Um, yeah, I've got to say as well, I think, um, uh, yeah, the, the, your comment about just in general, the Indigenous around and what they've done this year as opposed to other years is, uh, I think they're headed in the right direction, put it that way. There's, it's definitely becoming more of an authentic kind of, there's an authentic feel to it. It's, um, uh, you know, there's the, obviously the jerseys and everything and, and all the ceremonies and everything, but also just it's a chance to educate people as well about the rich Indigenous cultures in this country and and how it's not just one monolithic culture. There's a whole bunch of different, um, you know, tribes and mobs and, and all that kind of thing. And they each have their own kind of languages and their, their history and their connection to the land is different. And, you know, it's the one thing that I think we're doing right in the NRL that, that other codes could learn from. Um, and why not take advantage of it? You know, why not take advantage of the fact that we do have so many Aboriginal players in our, in our, amongst our ranks and let's, let's really celebrate it. And so, look, I think, I think there was something to be said about the Cowboys and the Warriors and how they kind of, you know, in a way it was kind of like a quasi, um, you know, Indigenous Australian versus Indigenous kind of New Zealand clash in a way and you know very very fitting that that was the closest and most exciting game of the round and I agree those 14 or 15 so thousand fans there at Queensland Country Bank Stadium uh, hopefully they'll be back for State of Origin 1 next week <laughs> because they're they rightly rewarded with a an origin match there so well done but yeah look um again great great comments there about the Indigenous round and and uh, yeah, my eels. Unfortunately, um, I I don't know if Brad Arthur's learnt the lesson of um, uh, some of the players uh, who are leaking points there in our defence. I think he's retaining them again this weekend. So I think we're gonna we're gonna be in for a, a rude awakening unless Brad Arthur does something. So that's my message to my eels faithful out there. Let's um let's get on social media and get Brad Arthur to reconsider some of his decisions about who he's keeping in the the top lineup because it's uh we are not getting any better when we're leaking points on the side there so anyway um i could see the tweets now arthur (laughs) reconsider or resign (laughs) arthur arthur resigns or resigns we don't know (laughs) the power of the hyphen All right, let's move on to tackle number three. And here we're going to do a spotlight on the NRL uh, mid-season review. Here we go. All right, Tish, it's, it's probably the right time, given that Origin is upon us, to have a bit of a look back at the halfway point. I believe it is a halfway point of the season. We've played 12 matches. We've got 12 more to go. Yeah. And and look, let's have a quick look at the ladder and and we'll, well, we'll have well, a... Well, before you go for the ladder, let me just explain sure. about halfway a little bit. So there is 25 rounds, actually. Oh, yes, um, yes. But each team gets a bye. So each team does play 12 games. So I suppose what we're saying, the reason why we're saying is half time is because, uh, you know, we've had each team's been able to play 12 games so far and they're going to play another 12. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, carry on. Yeah, yeah, no. So I thought let's – well, there's a few ways we could do this, but I thought one way we'd do it is 
let's just have a quick look at the ladder and see if we can see any patterns and then we can give our views and and see what we can uh, what it tells us it's it's basically like a, a mid mid year report card mm. is what we're aiming for here so look no surprises top of the table undefeated uh record in a record way i think we, i don't know if, how long the record is in terms of being undefeated but um 12 wins in a row to start the season uh haven't been beaten this year Penrith Panthers um their for and against differential is a massive 306 points um and they're just absolutely killing it at the moment and number 2 at the moment um who just snuck past the eels this week was the Melbourne Storm. So again, no surprises that the grand finalists from last year are one and two again. Um, this time, though, the Storm are two wins behind, so they're on 20 points. And the Eels are equal third, so Rabbitohs with that win against the Eels are now equal third in points, although in for and against, the differential is in the Eels' favour. So the Eels are technically third on 18 points and uh, Rabbitohs equal on uh, 18 points as well, although fourth with four and against. Then we go two points further back to the Roosters at number five on the ladder and uh, at 16 points. Then there's a four-point a four gap, a two-win gap to sixth place where the differential, the percentage wins, is 50-50. So Manly have one six and lost six and they are equal with the Cowboys although they're further ahead in terms of the points differential where in fact it's only plus one manly and the Cowboys are actually negative 87 because they got (laughs) they got flogged in the first few kind of rounds and but somehow they're still in the top eight (laughs) so there you go the Queensland team the only Queensland team in the top eight is uh is the Cowboys who would have thought? I thought we, we would have expected, I think, the the Titans to be there, but that's not the case. And then here we have a bit of a logjam. Um, on equal eighth on points, we've got the Dragons, the Warriors, the Titans, and the Knights on 10 points with um, in that order according to the differentials. Um, and then we've got two points back. We've got another logjam on... 12th, equal 12th, Sharks, Tigers and Raiders on 8 points and then way further back we got the Broncos on 6 points, well not not way further back, only 1 win back, Broncos on 6 points and then dead last are the Bulldogs with only 1 win for the season now um, some interesting sort of facts there, uh, only the top 6 teams have a positive for and against as I mentioned there is a gap, um, I think I can see a gap from uh, the top five to the rest um, in the top eight. So between the Roosters and the Seagulls, two games clear. Um, and we've seen lots of blowout scores as well. And obviously we've talked about the blowout scores, the head-eye crackdown as well, which has played a part in in some of the lopsided um, scores. But Tish, that's my quick kind of, you know, pattern recognition here mm. on with what's happening with the ladder. Um, have I missed something? Is there anything else that you, any insights that you can glean that I haven't covered here? Well, look, as the way things go at the moment, um, team number eight, which is the Dragons, have a five and seven record. So that is a uh, losing record. 
uh, you know, sort of in NFL terms or American terms. Um, and they're in they're in eighth position. And um, you know, I suppose the Cowboys are are a six and six, and so is the Seagulls. So so the bottom the bottom three of the top eight are actually in sort of uh, you know even seasons or or um, you know even a losing season. So there is a huge chance that at the end of the season, uh, teams, you know, eight and potentially team seven might both be losing records teams, you know, um, who have lost more games than them won, but still been able to make the top eight and who knows, cause some upsets and get to the grand final. So, um, look, I think it kind of clearly highlights, I believe, the impact the a the rules have had, b you know the certain exemptions certain clubs have received over the last year, which is small in hindsight, but then big when it comes into it overall. Um, and and just also like uh, in terms of how the top, you know, the top five I would say is completely dominant um, as well over over the rest of the team. There is a you know uh, there is a two game gap between. Uh, you know, positions five and six. So that really shows that, you know, the Roosters, the Rabbitohs, the Eels, the Storm and Panthers are clearly, you know, on a different tier of uh, competitiveness against the rest of the team. So, you know, uh, you know, we've had the salary cap for well over two decades now. And, um, you know, it's kind of supposed to avoid these type of situations from happening. But, you know, it's not really working for the moment. I feel like it is a little broken the way, the NRL stands at the moment all the way the, the first half of the season goes. I think we've also seen a huge number of blowouts this year. Um, you know, if you look at it, there are already, uh, you know, two teams that have minus 100 put on them. Uh, but then you have another, you know, another four or five teams that will probably end the season with negative 100 as a for and against, uh, which uh, if you go back in 2019, I think there was only three clubs that had that. So you could have up to seven clubs that would have negative for and against based on what the data is showing at the moment. So I think the NRL probably needs to have a look. You know, when you're analysing whether the rules are working or not, it's not just looking at revenue and TV ratings and everything. It's also looking at the comp- com- competitiveness because I have found myself, Dr. T, even as a one-eyed Tiger supporter, not necessarily Tigers games, but look, in other games, do I really want to go and watch a you know a, a you know a Friday night Broncos game where they're going to you know be destroyed by the Melbourne Storm by about fifty points? It's it's actually not great TV. Uh, so I think they do have a bit of a problem with all these lopsided scores. Uh, your thoughts there, Doctor T? Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, probably the defining feature of this year has been the fact that we we're not even talking about close games anymore and we used to take pride in that mm. now it seems to be the decisions that were made about making the game more free-flowing and all that kind of stuff and it's led to these blowouts and we seem to well at least the decision makers seem to not care about that so i kind of think well if if what we held dear being the the fact that i guess it it, it leads to the the, the fundamental question of do people prefer to see a free-flowing game if you had a, ch- a choice? A free-flowing game where there's potential where there might be blowouts because some teams are just better at handling the rules that that um, that lead to that free-flowing game? 
Or do we want to see a close game, but potentially boring and with lots of wrestle and all that kind of stuff? Um, which, I mean, that's a genuine question. I mean, that's that's really the choice that we're seeing here. That's the two extremes that we're seeing. We've we've swung the pendulum towards free flowing, and it's led to more collisions, more fatigue, more chances of injury. You know, other sort of consequences, but in terms of just the score lines, it's led to a higher risk blowout of blowouts. Um, and what does that do? Well, that maybe potentially raises a question: What's going to get crowds more and TV audiences more likely to be interested? Uh, a free-flowing game where there's a high risk that you might get flogged, <laughs> or um, or a, a game that you pretty much guarantee that it's going to be a tight game because of the way the rules are, but it's a bit boring. And look, it's this is we, we need to kind of make a, a choice here because, um, you know, one, on one side, one fork of the road is rugby union, <laughs> rugby union style. And on the other side, it's uh, what rugby league is renowned for, which has been entertaining. So... We need to be really careful what we ask for, um, and we're seeing the results of it now. But at the end of the day, let's look at the top five teams. So despite all of this, Tish, who's in the top five clearly? Panthers, Storm, Eels, Rabbitohs, Roosters. Um, I I dare say, Tish, that at the beginning of the season, these were probably the top five teams that we would have expected to be in that top five. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. So despite all that, you know, the cards are falling as expected in terms of the who, who's at the top. Um, what it also means is that we've now, you know, remember we were talking about early in the season, oh, there's the, the haves and the have-nots, you know, there's a top eight, or the top eight's almost already decided. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. Not by a long shot. Um, pretty much every team, including the Broncos, who are on six points at so 10 points. Um, no, how far are they? They're only four. They're only two wins out of the top eight <laughs> and they're second last. So look, the ladder still has opened up the chance that teams six, seven, and eight um, are up for grabs in the final series. So I think that's going to make it pretty exciting for those teams that are on the, the cusp. And certainly at the top, you know, everyone's gunning for the Panthers and the Storm, which is exactly what we would have expected at the beginning of the year. So, look, very, very interesting times ahead. But anyway, that's my final thoughts on that. What about you, Tish? Final thoughts? Well, I was going to ask you a question, Dr. T. <clears throat> what would sure. you say would be the the best game you've seen this season so far? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, it, it is a tough one when you, when you actually break it down. Because you are talking about the whole entertainment versus closeness. So surely there would be a game that's like super memorable for you. Or um, I can think of one. And, I mean, it involves the Tigers, of course. I, I could probably think of two. But I don't... Um, There's yeah. been lots that have been entertaining, though. That, so that, I, that I don't think... Been, the fact yeah. I can't think of them is not necessarily my view that there haven't been some entertaining passages of play um but i think what you're getting at is the a lot of the exciting games are not necessarily the close games is that right yeah or, yeah well, what well, are you getting at well well okay yeah so i'd go that there was a rabbitos and tigers game 
that uh you know where yes. where yep. they um you know they went into extra time and there was the try by the Rabbitohs, but then um they weren't sure that he got it down to the the Tigers. So that was oh, that's that was, right. That yeah, was clearly yeah. like a like a great game. And then there was also a Newcastle Tigers game where um they beat uh the uh, the Tigers beat them at Marathon Stadium and it went down right down to the wire. I want to say there was a Parramatta Tigers game too that was very close. So there were some close contents contents that were entertaining. Uh, what I actually find is that now if you have like a, a team from like the you know from team six to team fifteen, uh, you know when they all play each other that it's actually quite a, an entertaining brand of football. Um, yes, there are a few mistakes here and there. Yes, they're not at the same level as say the top five are, but um, it is quite entertaining to watch that style. Uh, whereas even when you get a uh, like we had a uh, Rabbitohs Storm <laughs> match where the Storm beat them by fifty, right? So, um, or was that with Panthers? That might have been with Panthers, but um, yeah. So uh, even the top five when they play against each other, I I, I can't really think of a, an absolutely exciting game. Um, I'm also thinking about a Broncos Cowboys game where the Broncos actually won. Uh, with a very exciting comeback, or well, that could have been the Titans, or yeah. So I think there's been a couple of games where it's been quite exciting because, um, you know, because you've seen, uh, you know, sort of teams being able to come back from like a huge deficit because the rules allow that, and I think I think that's also because due to the way the rules are laid out now, uh, once you have momentum, it's really hard for the other team to to try and um, counter that. So teams will will score a lot of points in the first half because they have the momentum, but then they'll have a break, they'll come back. Then the other team gets red hot with a couple of six agains and all of a sudden they have momentum and then it's hard for the other team to come back. So, um, mm. th- yeah, so, so, so I think momentum is more important than ever before, uh, which I think is a consequence of the rules, which I do think they need to fix. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's see how the remaining uh, season goes. and Hopefully we'll get some really memorable games, um, both in terms mm. of excitement and uh, in finish towards the end. Yeah, and look, yeah, you made my, my final, final point is you made you made the point about the, I think we would expect at some point that the, the, the when the top teams clash, that those would be the better games. But mm. that's not necessarily been the case. Sometimes the better games have just been between some of the more desperate teams just on the cusp of the top eight. Mm. And and that says something about, and I think that's got to do a lot with the rules. And again, it's a high risk, high reward kind of thing that when the games are, are good, they're great. Uh, but there's also a high chance of blowout. Now, let me segue to the next, <laughs> the next thing we're going to talk about, which is state of origin. So, State of Origin for ages has been, you know, touted as it's the best of the best, and uh, certainly, well, with the exception of the the increase in international football and and its prestige, um, you know, it's always been a very tight context. So I wonder whether the rules going to change that. But let's launch into our first kind of foray into State of Origin this year. This is tackle number four, and we're going to look at the New South Wales team. Here we go. Tish, do you want to read out the team list for New South Wales and then we'll, we'll dive into what our thoughts are? 
Yes, there we go. So, captain and fullback, James Tedesco. Then on debut on the wing, Brian Toho. Um, uh, and then on the other wing, Josh Adokar. The uh, centres are Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevic. Um, making his do- debut, number six, Jerome Luai at 5'8". Nathan Cleary uh, as halfback. Then the prop forwards are Daniel Saifedi and Jake Trebojevic. Uh, then you've got the uh, Cameron Murray and Tarek Sims as the second rollers. Isaiah Yo also in de- debut at lock forward, and Damian Cook is uh, the uh, is the dummy half. Uh, then when we look at the bench for the New South Wales Blues, you've got uh, Jack Whiten, Junior Paulo, Payne Haas, Liam Martin. Eighteenth man is. Appy Coruscant and 19th man is Campbell Graham. And, of course, they're coached by Brad Fittler. So uh, the much-talked-about New South Wales teams, did Freddie get it right? Um, or, um, you know, as Matt the Gravatt would say, uh, you know, the balance isn't there, but the flavours were delicious. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that comment, but, look, <laughs> let's let's look at the main thing. So we've got Teddy as captain, We've got Cleary. There was a discussion about whether you're going to put um, Jack White in there to partner him in the, the, the 5-8 role, but no, they've gone with Jerome Luai, the Penrith. So they've gone with the Penrith combo, which um, I think that there was there was talk in the media with uh, Brad Fittler sort of saying that, you know, Luai wasn't ready and Whiten was the front runner. But I think with Luai there uh, in that team list, I think... I think he's most likely to be uh, be selected uh, in the starting lineup, uh, partnering Cleary, which I think is uh, look. It could be the game changer. Um, this could be what the Queenslanders are fearing the most because Penrith Panthers this year have been entertainers supreme, and a lot of people are talking about Cleary, but Luai has a lot to do with that as well, and he um, he's just. I, I think this is a really great. Decision that they chose him. Um, you know, look at the backs as well. We've got the Troll Mitchell is back. We've got Tommy Turbo. We've got Josh Adokar, the Fox. Brian Toll, he's um, he's on debut. Um, again, I don't know who else they could have. I think they were probably thinking of, um, is it Daniel Tupu maybe? I'm mm. not sure who else they were, were, would have used as an option there. That Look, that's a question mark, what Brian's going to do, but let's see. And look, the forwards... Um, Damien Cook has re- retained or regained some of his um, some of his form after a bit of a form slump early in the season, but we've got Coruscant there as well. Um, you know, maybe we're going to be using both Cook and Coruscant as you know as needed to get us that that momentum up the middle again. Penrith combination. Um, and look, I'm liking the rest of the team as well. I mean, you've got some of those names that we're come to expect. I think Jake Trebojevic is probably the most controversial inclusion. Um, I think a lot of people online are suggesting that um, he probably didn't deserve it. But I think given his leadership in the past, I think uh, he definitely did deserve it. Look, some omissions there. No um, Clint Gutherson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is one. Uh, and we've got a few others like Blake Ferguson and others but look, um, I think it's a very well balanced lineup. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think I think a lot of the balance is is fine. Um, I did hear something interesting, which is uh, if you go back to the three series New South Wales won in a row, the only time it happened in the early nineties, 
what you had what is you had Stuart and Daly in the halves and five eighth, you know, so had that combination, but you also had um, the lock forward also from Canberra, which was Bradley Clyde. And then I think it was Ferner when Clyde was injured. So um, in this lineup, you've actually got Isaiah Yo um, and Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. So you could start to see a bit of a formation of the of that combo. Um, but I believe it was 1989, the first time those three got picked together and uh, Queensland won 3-0. So uh, I don't know if it's will bring immediate success, but, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing there. Um, I think the key, the, you know, there's, there is a, there is a bit of a key thing with selecting these teams is that you don't actually have that much time to sort of bond and gel. So you really need to have people playing in their positions that they're used to. Um, and New South Wales has got that right for the most part, except for the two fullbacks playing in the centers. Um, so defensively, I don't know how they're going to go. Obviously, there's a lot. Uh, you know, it's a different player in the centres than what you are at fullback. There's a lot less uh, meters you need to do in terms of um, you know sort of covering the ball and things like that. But you do need to get your defensive reads right. You need to be able to uh, you know know when to come in and when to go out. You need to be able to direct your winger as to where where they need to be. Um, you know, in defense, you also need to be, uh, you know, you, you're that strategic link because that is where they're going to target. So if you don't have that sort of um, week in, week out experience, I don't know how you'd go. Um, you're also going to remember in a, in kicking situations, often you try and target the centers um, to get that bounce back. So, um, and I think Tommy and Latrell can do that quite well, um, but it's a different, it's a different place that they're running from. I'd say, um, and then you also got to think of linking between your, um, you know, between your fullback, uh, sorry, between your, uh, you know, your your centers and your wingers, right? So yeah, so look, I think I think they've got they've got a lot of things right. Brian Toho, right, uh, you know, leads the field when it comes to post contact meters this season. Um, he's the only player to break over a thousand. In fact, with eleven hundred seventy five, and the next place is eight oh five at with Daniel Tupo. So he's almost 300 runs, uh, metres uh, clear of his next challenger in that stat alone. So that's pretty amazing. And I know Josh Adokar is leading the way with tries at 15 at the moment. So um, their wingers, I think they've they've made a good mark. But I, but I just have a have a somewhat question mark on this sentence because we've always gone wrong. New South Wales have always gone wrong when they've play, picked players out of position. Um, I'm not too sure mm. about the second rollers either or Jake Trevojevic playing number 10. I feel like he should be more in the second row um, and they should probably perhaps start with Junior Paulo. Um, or Payne Haas. Or, or Payne or Haas, yeah. Um, the thing about Payne Haas, and, and to be honest, it's Junior Paulo too. Uh, and to be honest, Saifedi, it, it, it's the front roller uh, issue, right? Um, where... These guys will play. Uh, these guys will play long minutes, but they they are susceptible to making mistakes. The longer you have them out in the field, so I think the rotation has to work really well. Um, because if you look at um, some of the decision making when they get tired, is is really quite poor. Um, mm. So yeah, so you've also got Liam Martin, who's also playing front row and also a Panthers player, and also in debut at number seventeen. You know, I think you could probably slot him in at ten and move. 
Sims to the bench and move Trevojevic at number 12 because then you've got two 80-minute players in the front, in the in the forwards the whole time and then you can do the rotation with the rest. So so I think that's probably where New South Wales need to sort of uh, be careful at. But obviously Brad Fittler picked the team based on what he thinks is going to win and, um, you know, and uh, let's see how they go. Absolutely. Shall we move on to the next team? I suppose we have to. Tackle number five. Here we go with our review of the Queensland team. All right. So I'll quickly go through this one. Uh, Number one, Kaylin Ponga. Number two, Xavier Coates. Number three, Kurt Capel. Number four is Dane Gagai. Five is Valentine Holmes. Six is Cameron Munster. Seven is Daly Cherry Evans. Eight is Christian Welch. Nine is Harry Grant. Ten is Tino, I can't say this, Farsua Malui. Um, Eleven, Felicia Kafusi. Twelve, David Fafita. Thirteen, Jai Arrow. And then we've got AJ Brimson, Jaden Sua, Muaki Fertuika, Joey Afa, Joey, Joe Offahangawi, Kyle Feld, Reed Marnie on debut, and Cohen Hess. And the coach is Paul Green this year. So we've got to change a coach, let's not forget, with Queensland. Um, is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, so, look, what are your initial – and I think I believe that the captain is Dadley Cherry Evans, so that's nothing new. But what are your thoughts there, Tish, on that lineup? It looks – Pretty strong on paper. Yeah, well, you got to remember, they won the series last year. Oh, um, yeah, I did forget that. Sorry, I put that <laughs> out of my memory. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, because it's important because we, we talk about this word underdog, right? But, I mean, a team that's got DCE and Cameron Munster in the 5-8th and halfback position, um, you know, you got to remember, I think Daly Cherry Evans is the current Australian uh, halfback as well. Um, and uh, he has uh, also been playing well for Manly. Um, as well as Cameron Munster. So there you go. you got Harry Grant, which, um, you know, absolutely, you know, fantastic uh, dummy half. But I think equally, Reed Mah- uh, you know, Reed Marnie or Mahoney, I'm not sure. Marnie, Marnie. Marnie, yeah. Uh, he is a great player as well. And uh, definitely an 80-minute player, does some amazing things in the field and uh, gets into a lot of defense as well. So, you know, really, their spine... I mean, Caelan Ponga is, like, world-class, right? So... Um, probably he hasn't had as many games as others have thought. So I think, you know, that, that spine is fantastic. Uh, David Fafita, second row. Tino, uh, you know, at front row. Felice Kafusi, experienced uh, experienced NRL players, experienced State of Origin players. I think Tino would be on debut, so he's not that experienced, but an absolutely amazing tackle bust player type, type role. Um, Joe Arrow has been amazing at the Rabbitohs. There is not a lot of weaknesses. Like that's that's where I think the teams are a lot more evenly matched than what Queensland get credit for. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I think it's a mirage, um, uh, a little bit because, you know, uh, put it this way: Valentine Holmes does not want to play winger, and uh, and he is on the wing, uh, because I have to make way for Callum Ponga. But if if Ponga can't make it, I mean, uh, he just slotted a uh, a forty forty or fifty meter you know, field goal uh, at fullback, you know. So, um, you know, uh, so, so you know, if he's the replacement, uh, still a very, very strong lineup. So, look, I think, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't think it will be as easy as what they'll say. Um, I'd say that the big omission that I see missing here is uh, Papa Lehi. Um, so, so not so sure what what's happened there, but I think, um, mm. yeah, but I but I think um, you know uh, the Pacifica Maroons. I mean, sorry, the Queensland Maroons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think uh, I think they rightfully should be favourites. Uh, you know, in in the first game at the home ground. Well, I think so, especially since it is a home ground now. And um, but yeah, look, I think look, I can't look. They, they've got some guns there in the back line. Uh, I think you cannot discount. And let's not forget that even though Capel is essentially out of position at number three, he certainly was a very big part of why. Uh, they got over the top of us um, in the centres last year. But part of the other reason is, as you said earlier, we keep putting people out of position. So I think we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, I would hazard to guess that if if we get our centre combinations right, that we uh, that they'll rethink Kurt Capel there in the centres. I think uh, potentially, you know, we, we also, with a bit of uh, focus, we'll be able to get around him and... Um, that experiment, I think, will um, will be altered for game two potentially. But anyway, that's that's my view. But I think, look, it's going to be a close game. Um, but you never know with the new rules <laughs> whether it is going to be a blowout or not. Um, but I think, look, I'm. I, I think it's fair to say they've got they've got some guns there, and don't, let's not forget they've got some workhorses there in the forwards as well who've done the job in the past. They know what to do. They know what to expect, and. Uh, this is going to be a hell of a game because I think Queensland, um, again, they're going to spin it as they're the underdogs again because you're going to see some of the, the it's it's all going to be about the Panthers. It's all going to be about the, the young halves in New South Wales. And I think this, again, is playing into the Queensland narrative of them being the underdogs. But if you look at their back line, they have got guns all over the place. And I think... With the way Munster played last year, all he needs is the forwards to do their job. And like you said, you've got Valentine Holmes there. You've got Xavier Coates. Gay guy's done knows what to do at this level. And Ponga, in case you need a bit of an X factor, you've got several X factors. <laughs> That's the thing to, that you can't forget in this Queensland lineup. So I'm a bit scared uh, a little bit because I think that some of the players that are there at the moment are you know, in form. Um, and they'll be hungry to to continue their winning ways. So, and with the new coach Paul Green, I mean, certainly he's going to inject a bit of uh, you know newness into it, a bit of novelty. Um, yeah. It's not going to be same old, same old. So, I think that will also add to Queensland's uh, stature. So, I don't know what the betting uh, the, the the betting men are doing, uh, but I think Queensland, if they are not almost even or possibly slight favourites. I think that, again, they're playing us. <laughs> they're playing us because they've got uh, star power everywhere. Final thoughts on the Queensland team? Yeah, well, look, um, the the coaching will be interesting because, uh, look, last year they had, you know, uh, smiling Wayne Bennett. Um, and, you know, uh, I think the Queensland t- teams have, have always done well when they've got uh, an NRL coach or yeah, somebody with NRL experience coaching them. And somebody that has a bit of a, a Queensland legacy, obviously Paul Green. Um, you know he he has played some Origin games when he was a player. He's won a premiership. 
I think he's going to be a good uh, part of that spirit and bonding type thing. Um, so I think that's good. So, uh, yeah, so I think Queensland definitely should be the favourites for this game. It's at their home. They've got a pretty strong lineup. You know, the other thing I didn't think about so much is, is Brad Fittler, you know, he's, go, he's got quite a lot of Panthers players in him. He is a Panthers alumni himself. Um, but, but I feel like Ivan Cleary is very much a disciplinarian type coach, which obviously these players respond to. I don't know how they're going to respond to the shoes off, let's walk around the grass, let's blindfold each other and tackle uh, approach that Freddie has. Um, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I think... Yeah, he's a bit, a bit loose, isn't he? Um, yeah. Compared yeah. to the others, so it, yeah. Compared to Cleary in particular, and I, and I say that only because you've got such a strong contingent of Panthers players that respond well to the, you know... Uh, you know, I run the show, get on my bus, Ivan Cleary approach, as opposed to a let's be a free spirit um, uh, type, type approach. Yeah, do we know that he's actually like that, or is that just a perception? But potentially, I'm have. not sure. I just, I, just, I just remember seeing that footage where they he had the team blind, blindfolded running around the field, so, um, <laughs> so I don't. What? Uh, yeah, the, I, I don't know. If you should be it. watching Mighty Ducks. That, or something. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a Mighty Ducks kind of thing. It was. I thought. I thought we were going to see that that scene where they had to go gather some chickens or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, like maybe some roosters. You got to go gather some roosters. At That's like it. Gather some roosters, and they took it literally, <laughs> like, as, opposed, as opposed to go and bring Joseph Manu on board or something. You know. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I don't know, maybe because there is a panther theme, maybe we'll, maybe they have to catch some panthers because there's a lot of. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna see, we're gonna see some blues players mauled by the panthers in <laughs> uh, in Dubbo Zoo or something. So so look, uh, yeah, uh, it could just be a smoke screen for how he re- how he really coaches. He's a very intelligent uh, NRL, um, you know, top top you know type figure there, Brad Phillips. So so I don't doubt his ability at all. I just. I just don't know how, uh, if he has that un- uncanny approach, I don't know how some of these newer players would respond to that because I feel like with the Panthers, because they're such a young team, they do need that, that uh, they do need that coach that sort of keeps them in line a little bit. Um, you know, we kind of saw that with their celebrations and sort of what happened there and then how they sort of responded type thing. Um, you know, you could tell yeah. that there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, you know, Dennis the Menace, can I say that, like type streaking them a little bit, which <laughs> might not go down well in a Queensland, uh, New South Wales Queensland game where it's it's you know the Queensland are going to come. Queensland they they they're a lot more. I feel like they're more experienced, but they they bring they bring their A game to these games no matter what. So it, it's going to be a very interesting how this uh, somewhat. It's kind of we say this about Bradfield's team every year, right? This this new crop of New South Welshmen, how they're going to go with. Uh, with the uh, you know with the experienced Queensland team, exactly. Well, it remains to be seen, and we'll talk about it in a second because we're going to do the tips now. Rounds, uh, well, round thirteen tips, but also state of origin. Here we go. Tackle number six. Right, so Tish, last week you did pretty well. You got five out of eight. I got three out of eight. So you are catching up. I am on 60 for the year and you're on 55 points. 
we've got a shortened uh, NRL round post-origin, uh, well, actually, no, pre-origin, sorry, um, uh, this week, uh, heading into origin next week. But we're also going to give our views on, on the State of Origin game and our tips. So let's go for the first four NRL games. And Dragons v. Broncos, I'm tipping the Dragons. Two teams um, not affected by State of Origin, so I'm going to tip the Dragons. <laughs> um, Tigers v. Panthers. Now, Panthers are very much affected, but I'm still thinking that they'll put it together. So Panthers for mine. Uh, yeah, look, I'm going to have to go with the Panthers. Uh, I can't tip against them since they've won 12 straight. All right. Storm and Titans. Um, I think the Storm, again, they've got some key players out, but they've got enough remaining that I think they'll do it against the Titans. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip and upset the Titans. Uh, I'm going to, they know how to score points, uh, and I think this could be high scoring. Speaking of high scoring, this might be one as well. The Knights versus the Eels. Uh, the Eels have lost some key players, but look, the core, the King Gutherson is still there, and I think he'll lead them to victory. So the Eels for mine. Yeah, I think uh, Gutherson and Moses uh, are probably their two key players, right? So they're still there. Uh, you know what? I'm going to tip Newcastle. I just realised Junior Paulo is is going to be playing uh, for for the you know Blues, and I think he's a big part of their team. So, yeah. All right, and the big one, uh, Queensland versus New South Wales up in Townsville. Um, look, I am tipping... I'm tipping a pretty big, uh, initially a close game, but I think that towards the end, New South Wales will run away with it. So I'm tipping the Panthers experiment of Luai and Cleary. Will um, We've seen a much improved Nathan Cleary this year. It's He's the main reason why they've been undefeated. Uh, he has run to the line a lot more. He has, he has matured a lot as a player, and I think he will mature as a state of origin player. And you're going to start to see the the era of Nathan Cleary begin um, next week. Well, Dr. T, um, you know, uh, look, I am New South Wales through and through. Uh, however, you know, Origin is not about one player, unless your name is Arthur Beetson, Wally Lewis, Alan Langer, um, Darren, Dar- Lockyer, Darren Lockyer, Jonathan Cameron Thurston, Smith, Cameron Smith, Billy um, Slater, Jonathan Thurston, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not all about one player, apart from those players. Um, so I, I think, with that said, I think uh, I think it's going to be Queensland. I just think this is such an advantage playing at Queensland Country in front of your Queensland supporters. It's going to be back to 1980, you know. You've, it's yeah, I just feel that it's going to be way too uh, way too much for the for the New South Wales team to handle. So Queensland, I think, will win the first game. So uh, yeah, so I'm tipping Queensland here. Wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Our 201st episode. Thanks very much, Tish. And looking forward to our, our next episode will be post-Origin 1. So looking forward to that. We're going to give our quick kind of overview, uh, our raw reaction to State of Origin 1. And uh, we'll be posting that as soon as possible after that game. So looking forward to it. Uh, Until then, we'll catch you next time, Tish. Over to you to wrap this up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. And that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.